This is the Cycling Over 60 Podcast, Season 2, Episode 28, The Hero Ride, and I'm your host, Tom Butler. On the January 29th episode, I talked to my daughter about her decision to start cycling after her husband really got into doing cycling events with me. It was awesome news that she was going to start riding, but I was bothered by the bike she was going to use. You'll have to go listen to that episode to get more details on why. That being said, one thing led to another last week, and we decided to help her purchase a new bike. She is getting a Live Avail AR1. I think this will be a great bike for her. Here are a few reasons we went with that choice. First off, if you don't know the Live brand, they're a product of giant bicycles that focuses on the needs of women cyclists. It makes sense to me that she got a bike that is designed using, quote, women's data. The bike is new, but it's a 2022 model. It was on sale for what I thought was a reasonable price for what you get. It is an aluminum bike, but it has a lightweight aluminum frame. Alux, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, but it's A-L-U-X-X. It is a giant product using a premium alloy and fluid injection that helps the frame be lighter. To help the bike be more comfortable to ride, the Avail AR1 comes with a composite fork and a D-shaped composite seat post shaft. This means the bike is absorbing more from the road and not passing it on to the rider. She also liked having the ability to do some gravel rides, so the fact that the bike fits up the 38 size tires was a good feature as well. One of the biggest selling points for me is that it comes with a 105 group set. I see that as being durable enough for her to do events and the training she needs to do. 105 also means hydraulic disc brakes, which I think makes sense for the wet hills that she'll be no doubt riding on here. To be honest, I'm not sure if McKenna is more anxious for the bike to get here or if Garen and I are. Last week, I talked about troubles I have been having adjusting to loading my bike on the car to go for rides. I'm happy to report that leaving the trunk rack attached to the car helps. It is funny how removing this small barrier makes a difference. I made the final tweaks to my standard route, so now I'm not just riding through the flat valley the whole time like I was. And that means the route has gone from 384 feet of climbing to 1,316 feet. That is mainly due to a 344-foot climb that I do both ways. It is for sure a test for me. The climb is just under a mile and starts out with a section that is a 12% to 14% grade. I haven't been doing much climbing since I got the Roubaix, and I am struggling with the 34-34 gearing on that steep of a climb. But that is how I will get stronger. One of the highlights of last week was definitely that my whole family went out for a ride together. My wife has an electric bike, so she has no problem keeping up. It was a bit cold for her, but she was a real trooper about it. We chose this electric bike because it folds and is easily transported. But we didn't do any real evaluation of how it fits her. And because it doesn't fit that well, our next purchase will be an e-bike that she feels more comfortable on. Then I hope we will repeat the family bike ride outing over and over again. Sometime in the future, I want to be able to escape the winter rain and take a bicycle trip someplace warm and sunny. So I am curious about where the best location would be to visit midwinter. This week, I ran across the Hero Ride in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. The ride benefits the Mississippi Oregon Recovery Agency. 
I was fortunate to get connected to Eddie Holmes, who organizes the ride, and he joined me this week for a conversation. Eddie is also the president of the Gulf Coast Bicycle Club and has been an avid fan of bicycles for a long time. Here is our discussion. I like hearing from people around the country about cycling in their area. That's been one of the, my favorite things about this podcast. And today I'm joined by Eddie Holmes. Eddie, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Before we get rolling, can you start out by sharing a memory of cycling when, from when you were a kid? Yes. Now I'm going to be 69 years old here soon. And I remember this like it was yesterday. My father worked in a store in this little town that I live in, Long Beach, Mississippi. And across the street, there was a hardware store, a Western Auto. And I went over there daily to drool over this three-speed English racer that I, <laughs> I was so hoping that I would get for Christmas that year. And I did. Uh, I remember that like it was yesterday. Do you remember knowing you were going to get it at some point or did they pull it out like on Christmas Day? How did that work? Yeah, I don't remember ever thinking I might actually get it. I, okay. I remember the morning of being shocked and and very happy about it. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. You are involved with something called Hero Ride there. Right. And I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about Hero Ride and its mission and things like that. Sure. The Hero Ride is actually a twofold thing. The first thing is that we are helping the Mississippi Organ Donors Recovery Agency in their efforts to make the importance of organ donations out there, as well as a fundraiser for them to help them with money, monetary, you know, costs and things. And, uh, and also it's to provide an organized ride for those people and show them that maybe don't ride that you can, there's a whole nother wor world out there of cycling that we try to introduce people to. So it, it, it's, it's pretty much a win-win for everybody. Now there's a, a few different distances, I think. Is that right? Correct. Right. We actually this year had to move our location because of some construction in our area that cr increased the traffic along the previous routes. So we're going out of a state campground this year in the Waveland, Mississippi area, which has actually opened up the possibility for some beach cruiser style rides that people can join. So we'll have anywhere from a 10 mile, five to 10 mile ride available for the people that like to just cruise a little bit all the way up to a, a metric ride, 62 miler for those people that ride, you know, more serious. And where's the starting point? The starting point is at Buccaneer State Park in Waveland, Mississippi. Okay. And ending point, out and back. I believe you're also the president of the Gulf Coast Bicycle Club. Is that correct? It is correct. I am currently the president of the Gulf Coast Bicycle Club and have been, this will be my ninth year. And uh, I've been involved with the club for many years. Before that, I was actually the director of the biggest ride we have, the Southern Magnolia. So I've been around cycling for a long time. And it sounds like it's a pretty active club, pretty healthy club. It is. We have uh, constantly between 300 and 350 paid members that are, you know, they fluctuate. Some go out, some come in, but we always stay around that number. Our goal is actually to promote cycling of all types, the beginner all the way up to 
the folks that ride the century rides, the hundred milers, and we have a lot of time trials for all different folks. So we we try to really do something for everybody. We have some gravel bike rides every now and then. We have a pretty active mountain bike group now that take care of that need. But before they were established, we were trying to do some of those events as well. But we try to really cover the gamut of cycling period. And we also have things like new rider clinics, flat tire clinic, you know, things of that nature. You and I are both in the cycling over 60 demographic. And right. I'm wondering about other members. Do you have members who are older cyclists? Uh, yes, we do. One of the events that we do, the club handles, is the Senior Olympics. And that is people 50 years and older. Believe it or not, year after year, the biggest age group is the 75 to 79 year old group. Wow. There'll be 15 to 20 people in that age group every year. Uh, two years ago, we had a gentleman in the 90 to 94 age group who came out and rode the 5K and the 10K. So that's really inspirational to see that, you know, those guys continuing to do that. But our club does. And matter of fact, we just had our banquet, our yearly banquet, and we acknowledged five people that were in the 80-year-old category. We had the octagons. <laughs> we, we gave them a, a little plaque for that. We, we do. We have a wide range. That's fantastic. One thing that you guys do is a Christmas bicycle drive. Right. I wonder if you could talk about that. Yeah, that's probably one of the things I'm most proud about because I'll, I'll tell you how this works. We don't ever pressure anybody. We don't ever ask anybody to donate at all. In the six or seven years we've been doing that, I've not asked one person to donate. What I simply do is post it on our Facebook page, and I always share the names of the people who want to be. Some people want to be anonymous, but the people that donate we call them our bike angels and how this works is we have them donate to a fund that's tied in with the club and we actually go pick up the bikes for them and donate the bike in their name so we try to make it really easy for them to donate it's grown quite a bit actually the local storage facility here in my town has actually donated the use of a couple of storage units every year so that we can keep the bikes until we give them away. That has been just a blessing because in years past, my wife and I have had over a hundred bikes in our house or around our property. So, you know, it was really difficult to do that. And we were really thankful of him when he, when he uh, offered that to us. And last year, not this previous year, but last year we hit the 1000 bike mark. We have had that many donated in about, about, I think that was the eighth year or something, but we're proud of that. We're proud of that. For sure. Is there a merchant nearby that, that works with you guys? It varies. A lot of years we deal with Academy. Some years we deal with Walmart. I mean, the bike stores who we deal with a lot know that we can't, you know, for cost effectiveness, we have to find the retail bikes. And we do use the local, any local businesses that will help work with us. And they're good about holding the sale price over, things like that. And I didn't mention this, but what, how we hand these bikes out. We have a great relationship with law enforcement here on the Gulf Coast. We've worked with the Harrison County, the Stone County, the Jackson County, and the Hancock County Sheriff's Departments. So they come out to our rides and work intersections and help us in a safety way. And so for that, we donate the bikes to them. 
we give each one of them a certain number of bikes because they know who actually needs the bikes. And so it's kind of a, it helps us all to do it that way. We're appreciative of their help and they're appreciative that we will donate the bikes to them. So that's how we distribute them. What a great collaboration. That's awesome. Right. right. Another thing that I saw that made me want to come down there to visit, mm-hmm. and that was the Vintage Bike Show. Right, right, right. What's that like? I am really into vintage bikes. Somebody's asked me, or I'll ask somebody, do you know how many bikes I have? And they say, no, I don't. And I say, neither do I, because <laughs> the sad part is we really love the old bikes, the old Swins and the old Raleigh's. I've got a 1955 Western Flyer that matches an old antique truck I got. So when we have our local cruise in the coast, the bike goes in the back. But anyway, so the cruising, I mean, the uh, vintage bike show, about five or six years ago, we had the first one. And we had over 200 people attend that that ride, not 200 bikes. We had 200 people. A lot of them brought multiple bikes. We had a, a 1923 five-seater bike that was a Shriners bike, a custom-made Shriners bike. And we just had a number of, of incredible bikes. And for a number of years, that was pretty popular. And then it kind of, you know, like anything else, the, the, the current fad, I guess, ran out for a while. But it's starting to come back. And last year we had a couple of shows and we have a couple, we have a cruise in next month and then we have a show in November. So, uh, and we give different categories and the local bike shops are in on it and they donate and they, one of them even hosts it. This year, we're actually going to be at the Shuckers Field, our, our local minor league baseball team's facility. And uh, we're thinking about, we're trying to work it out that we have a, a bike build-off contest with the theme of the baseball team. I mean, we're, you know, just fun stuff that we're, we're trying to get going. But it works well. We, we always have 40 or 50 people show up. Yeah, that's so cool. I have an older uh, Trek bike. Yeah. And I was looking up something to try to get a uh, part replaced on it and found it listed as a vintage bike. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> right. Right. I'm not that old. <laughs> right. We actually had um, a race last year and we had a vintage bike category. So that was included in the race, but they were only racing, of course, other vintage bikes. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. Is cycling well supported local, locally by community leaders and legislation? It is. I think that it's grown over the last few years, especially because we have actually a number of times there have been an, an accident with a car and a cyclist and the cyclist has not always come out okay you know if you know what i mean about five or six years ago we had a, a huge safety meeting with our club and people interested in that which included a few law enforcement people and at that time we chose somebody from our club to go out and actually speak to the chief of police or whoever was in charge of their local law enforcement agency and just kind of be one-on-one with them and and find out if they had indeed were up on the rules of the road and the safety laws in Mississippi and, and, and more or less kind of introduce themselves to us and say, hey, what can we do? You know, you're you guys mind. What can we do to help ourselves be a safer club? So we, we did a lot of that for a few years. We had a we had a couple of commercials made. We actually worked with a, one of our local members who's that's his job. And we had commercials that are still running and. One was about the local 
rides with the family in the neighborhood and one was about the harder core riders. So we've done a number of things like that over the years. Yeah, I, I think certain cities, of course, are going to always promote it more than others, I think. But they're all on board here along the coast where we live, I believe. I, I'm happy about that, too. Yeah, it, it seems like that's a natural place for people to want to bike is right. by the coast. So it's good right. to hear that. Going back to the hero ride, organizing a cycling event involves a lot of planning, of course. Right. I'm wondering if there are some key logistical challenges that you face in coordinating the hero ride and especially considering your location there on the Gulf Coast. Well, I always, and I've said this a hundred or a thousand times. I, the average person that comes to a ride really doesn't understand what all it took to put that event together. Because, you know, in some cases, there's permits to get. In some cases, there's special permission needed to have the event. And then the logistics of the route, always trying to find a safe route, you know, as safe as possible. Uh, when I started with the club, they did a lot of routes that were a big circle. They would start going out one direction and end up another direction. And I immediately changed that to out and back. Because of the number, logistic-wise, it's just so much easier because you need half the manpower. And it's also safer because you see people on the road and, and that type thing. But one of the things we do is we are really concerned with, we have SAG support. We have people that, more multiple SAG support. When we give them a bib, we have the SAG support contact information on the back of the bib. We make sure they know that. We also divide our SAG support up into sections of the course where if somebody needs somebody, they're not 50 miles away, they may be 15 miles away or, or something like that. Because that's the problem I've faced in the past myself with other events. We also make sure that the directional indicators are there, you know, the markings on the road as well as signs. We use duct tape, colored duct tape, and we use one color for to go out on the course and one color to come back. And that has really... I don't know. It's just cut down on the number of people that say I'm lost. <laughs> In fact, I hear I, I really hear a lot. And I'm not we're just well, I just hear this a lot. We hear people say, man, your course is really marked. Well, we really appreciate that. So we really spend a lot of time with that. We have um, a lot of signs and we have some people that are good at the SAG support and they help with picking up because we uh, another part to that is that law enforcement is always you know adamant about is we don't mind you putting the signs out. But when it's over, let's pick them up. So we have somebody who follows the last rider in, and they also are picking up signs as they come in. But lots of part. And then rest stops, always a big part. And one of the challenges we always face is trying to make sure people register in time. The ones that wait to the last minute really make it difficult to plan as far as supplies you need for rest stops and things like that, which in some cases are, uh, are safety issues. You know, when it's, it's really hot here in the summer and, you know, make sure people are, are uh, having the fluids and nutrition and all that stuff. So like I said, lots of parts to a, a, an event really is. Do you have to worry about storms and things like that? Is that a concern? It always is a concern. So my history is that of a high school coach. I was a high school coach for many years and it was just ingrained in me that when you plan an event or have an event, like in those days, ball games or whatever, that you have to remember people are not only coming to participate in that event, but they're driving to and from that event. And so if we have the time 
to cancel or not. We don't hardly ever cancel an event, but we might reschedule an event if the weather is actually calls for it. You know what I mean? If not, and I'm not talking just rain, but if it's a really dangerous situation or a question mark in in our mind, we're going to always err on the side of caution and and reschedule if we need to. We we don't do that very much in our area. We don't have to do that very much, but we have done it. And we're not opposed to doing it if it means that it's a safer ride. Because in retrospect, you're not going to have as many participants if you try to go on and get it in and, and, and under those conditions. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm always interested in places to escape from the north in the wintertime. Right. Right. <laughs> so talk about Mississippi as a place for people to, to travel and cycle in March. Well, even right here where we live in Mississippi Gulf Coast, I mean, it might be 30 degrees tomorrow, but the next day it might be 75. (laughs) So so if you can't ride one or two days in a row, just hang on because it's not long before you'll be able to get out on the bikes. And in our area, we have a a beachfront that's along the highway that's about 26 miles long. So that's a, a, a mecca for people running, walking, jogging, cycling. I mean, it's a it's great. So we, you know, we have that facility for, uh, we're just really happy and lucky to have that here, but, uh, it's a great place to ride. You can ride most of the year round, almost 12 months a year. Is it a destination place for tourists? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. We have the casinos here, which draw people in. We have the Beauvoir home, Jeff Davis's home in Biloxi. We have a uh, Coliseum here locally. We have a big aquarium that was just built, and we're 75 miles from New Orleans, Louisiana to our west, and Mobile, Alabama to our to our east. So we're kind of in the middle there. It's a good place. Normally, with that comes good restaurants and things like that. Right. A lot of good restaurants on the coast here. Uh, I haven't mentioned this, but one of the <laughs> one of the events we have, and this came out of just sheer coincidence, but we have an event that we call the Retiree slash work skipper ride (laughs) and that is a ride that we do we'll have 30 35 people show up to that ride some retired some skipping work and we go ride and come back and we go to a restaurant and and we eat as a group and we go 35 40 miles from here either way we have these rails to trails and we and we'll do some of those but so we have some and those are cool people love them they they get what they will we'll start and say okay meet back here at this time, and then we'll go eat. Yeah, we eat a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's such a great way to build community, I think, is to do rides like that and eat together and experience experience places. So that's great. Has the Hero Ride evolved quite a bit since its inception? The Hero Ride was something that Mississippi Organ Donors started up in the northern part of Mississippi. And so I think they got wind of our club and uh, I think somebody in that organization actually cycles probably. And they approached me about having uh, an event. So uh, with Trisha Bird, who is the director of that organization down here, she and I put together the first hero ride and right off the bat, we had over 200 riders the first year. It broke all the records of, of everything they've ever had in North Mississippi. So we'll draw between 200, 250 riders every year. That's been a pretty consistent so far, pretty consistent number. Is it pretty easy to engage volunteers and people to help out? 
For the hero ride, they have a wide range of not only volunteers but and or employees, I believe, that come out for that day. That is that is a challenge that I face all the time with our other events. But it has not been for that ride because they do have a lot of people that come out. And we place like well, a minute ago, we talked about safety aspect of it. But we really we have people when it ever possible, if it's a an intersection that we're a little concerned about, we try to have somebody there with a yellow vest on and helping direct traffic and just being there. So that that takes more manpower when you're trying to do something like that. And they always provide a good number of people to help out with that. I imagine. I mean, it's such such a great program. I don't remember the name of the organization. What's the name of the organization that it benefits? Oh, the Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency. Yeah. So that's a great agency and obviously great work they do. Right. Right. And so I'm sure that 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 all year long they have people that are interested in supporting what they're doing. So that and one of the cool things about it is some of the people from the agency will get up and welcome everybody before the ride and talk about the importance of it. And there's always people that are about to do the ride that are either people who donated or the recipients of it. So, and they're always willing to speak up and say, I appreciate this, you know, because I I benefited from it. And uh, that's pretty cool. And that happens every year, every year. That really is a great element of it. That's awesome. Do you have any memories from the ride? Any anything that you can think of that built awareness or memories about unique things about the ride? About the hero ride? Yeah. Yeah. I think the fact that there's a lot of people that are willing to donate their time to help, but also there's a lot of people that register and they have no intentions of riding. They're just trying to help the cause out. And it's just the fact that people do little things like that, I believe, that make it what it is, you know. And um, like I said, like I said it's, it's a great cause and it brings community together. I think that it's just going to continue to grow, honestly. But I've always had that first year, I think, when somebody spoke up and said, you know, I had a, a, a kidney because of so-and-so who donated and that kind of sticks in your mind, you know. Yeah, for sure. You said, if I heard you right, this is the first year that you're having like a, a beach cruiser, kind of more casual ride. Is that correct? Yes, it is actually what we're calling a beach cruiser ride. We've had some shorter rides, but this is actually, the you old know, because you're over there by the beach, and it's, it's actually a better area for us to do that than where we were before. And, and honestly, most people ride the further distances. You know, a lot of people will do the full metric, but a lot of people will do the 40 mile. That's going to be a big What's cool this year is that because we're on a new route, there's an area that it's a neighborhood that's named after Florida. And every street in there has got a name, you know, Daytona Road or uh, Ocala Road or whatever. And so we we titled that ride, Ride to Florida, <laughs> you know, and do some things like that. So and people say, I'm riding to Florida today, and you know, get a kick out of it. So it's just all in fun, all in fun. Yeah, that is fun. I like that. Do you see some broader impacts from the Hero Ride as far as uh, the community is concerned? Is Are people pretty familiar with it coming up or uh, do is it featured by news organizations? How, how's the kind of broader impact? The media does cover it. The media will talk to one of the representatives there a lot of times. Occasionally, they'll talk to me about the route, the ride itself. 
I do think that it's pretty much established itself as a an annual event because I have a, lo- a lot of people that are asking me for dates for the following year so they can make sure that they plan accordingly so that they're off or make arrangements to get a hotel room or something like that, you know. So it, so I do think that it's established enough to have those things happen. The local communities, like, for example, we had to move this year to another town. And I say that it's only four miles away from the start, but it is another town, which means another police agency that you're dealing with and people like that. And they're always willing to help when you tell them that, that this is what you're doing and this is why. So and I think it's well enough now that we really don't even have to tell them that anymore. <laughs> gotcha. How do you measure the success of the Hero Ride? Well, I think the you know it's twofold, really. It's the the number of people that come out to participate, but then in in turn, it's also the amount of profit that they make that they can put into that organization for that cause. Uh, that that has to be one of the most things considered, you know, a, a success when you are able to really make a profit good enough to turn around and help do what you're trying to establish there. I think there's something that's maybe a little hard to measure. It is. It is. But I think that, you know, it's like anything else. If you're able to cover, and I'll give you an example. Our big ride is called the Southern Magnolia Ride. This was the 15th year that we put this event on just this past year. At our banquet, I asked our folks in the audience there who are, you know, established riders, been riding for years and years and years. How much do you think it costs to put this ride on? 300, we had 320, 330 people participated and we had rest stops and all that. And, and my question was, how much do you think it costs to put this event on? And I asked $5,000, raise your hand, a number of hands went up, you know, uh, 8,000, 10,000 in some, you know, then the hands went down when it got up to that. And the answer to the question is it is it, $15,000. People have no idea what it costs to put all these things on to say that it, an event is successful would, in my mind, is that number one, here's the first thing. If everybody gets back safe, that's my number one goal to, that I considered a success. If that happens right off the bat, our number one, thing is always safety. We preach that and we, we preach helmets and we preach lights and we preach, you know, all that stuff is something that's really necessary. But if everybody gets back, then of course we consider it a success. And we also consider if we've covered all the expenses for the event and can go forward throughout the year, giving a lot of free things to free thought, free rides or low cost rides. or And we try to do things where we can involve the family, you know, where we can not just the guy the, the dad or the, or, or the wife or whoever, but the family. We try to do some family things. We have scavenger hunts on bicycles, and they love it. So we do a lot of things that draw those people in. And I think it's from the bigger ride success we're able to do those things, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think that there's also a blend of things where you've got people doing something good uh, for right. The, the organization for the cause, getting awareness out of people thinking about tissue, organ, eye donation that might not have thought about it. And right. then just people enjoying being on a bike with, with other people. I think that's, right. that's a fantastic thing as well. Looking forward, what are your goals and aspirations for the future of the Hero Ride? Well, we, of course, want to uh, 
you know, make it bigger each year. We're hoping that we can accommodate, you know, believe it or not, we, we've certain rides, we've had to relocate because we could not accommodate the number of people parking and, and all those things. And, and actually, sometimes roads are just not, you try to get in a rural area where you're safe, but sometimes space is a, an issue. So we want to make the hero ride as big as we can at the same time. We want to be able to control it, you know, and, and handle the uh, the safety aspects of it and all. So it's a it's you're always walking the line. What you know, what's too big for the number of people that we have that we can safely handle it. But at the same time, let's let it grow. So, you you know, it's, it's a catch 22 thing. It's a good problem to have. But yeah. uh, but sometimes you have to really consider what you're what you're doing there. So if someone's listening to this and wants to get signed up and and take a trip down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, where, how would they get signed up? There's a number of ways. I think if you go to the Mississippi Organ Donors Recovery Agency, Mississippi, they have a link there. Uh, we also have a link on our website, and that is www.thegulfcoastbicycleclub.com. We have our yearly calendar there. And uh, you can click on any one of those and get to a, a registration form. And the Hero Ride is in there, too. So there's a number of different ways. And you can actually sign up the day of the event. We encourage people to do it in advance. But sometimes work schedules and things like that don't allow people to to do it until the day. And we accommodate that. Cool. I'm thinking maybe you're too busy to actually ride the ride. Do you yeah. actually get out there? <laughs> I, I do. I try. I, I am only able to ride this ride. Because it's not necessarily our Gulf Coast Bicycle Club folks that are doing the rest stops and all that. It's the Mississippi Organ Donors Groups. And so that does allow me to ride. However, I am the guy that's out setting up the course, putting all the signs, arrows, and all that stuff out. And it is one of our sad guys that picks up at the end. But I am thankful that I most of the time get to ride. And sometimes I'll I'll cut it short to get back and be sure, you know, and that everything is going okay. But uh, Trisha and I keep, uh, we, I check in with her, sometimes stop and check in with her, or she'll call me and let me know how it's going. And I do stay busy pretty much during those events. And I don't, I don't always get to ride, but uh, I appreciate the times that I do. So I'm wondering for you personally, what are some goals that you have? What are some challenges that you're taking on? Do you have anything scheduled for you? Well, um, yeah, it just so happens. Uh, I'm actually training right now for my 15th Ironman event, which is uh, a half Ironman, I should say. I'm going to Kona, Hawaii, and we're going to do that June 1st. This is not the world championship. This is just that the half Ironman. So uh, I'll be doing that, getting ready for that. And then we've done a number of uh, long rides. We did a century ride the first day of the year this year. We had a group do that, an organized ride. And um, so, yeah, I, I ride seven, eight thousand miles a year, usually. And, and that's another thing our club does. I didn't mention is we have a distance challenge contest throughout the year and we have them in different months. And the reason I wanted to do it that way is because that allows everybody to participate. It's not about speed. It's just about how far can you ride? It doesn't matter how long it takes. So we'll have a month long challenge. We'll have a single day challenge. We had, like I said, a yearly challenge. And we've just had some incredible numbers. I mean, last year, the young lady that won 
the overall thing was over 15,000 miles. So it's just incredible. But it, but you know what? The key to that is that it gets people out riding. Even if they don't get into the war thing, they rode more than they ever had before, which created a more fit person and in some cases a lot happier persons. That works real well for us. It just uh, gets people interested and keeps them out there. Well, I appreciate things like that. Those are things that, for me, keep me motivated. Right. You know, if I'm like, oh, man, I'm just... I'm so close to the top 10 right. or so close to the top right. 20 or something like that. Right. Then that, right. that is one of those things that for me is, is a personal motivation. Right. I want to thank you as somebody that does rides, you know, and benefits from the work people like you do, you know, rolling into a rest station or a food station right. or whatever. Thank you so much for caring uh, about people cycling and doing what you do. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Those of us that are out there, I mean, we just enjoy it. We enjoy the cycling world. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, I used to, when I was growing up, there used to be guys, older guys retired and they go hang around the general store with the stove and all and tell stories. Well, my group goes to bike shops. <laughs> we sit around looking at the newest and latest and doing all and that type thing. So, but, but I do appreciate the kindness and the thoughts we are in a really good location. We just have a good group of folks and they really, they like to come out and, and, and represent the club. When we go off to other events, we represent the club, you know, in those ways as well. We'll go out and take 25, 30 people to a local ride and, and ride as a club in some cases. So we, we have a good group because a good organization. That's fantastic. What bike are you riding these days or bikes are you riding these days? <laughs> My road bike is a specialized Roubaix that I have. I, of course, I have time trial bike, a Trek speed concept. That was actually, most of that was donated. When I retired, my staff actually made a donation towards that, which largely covered it. So that was pretty nice. But my, I'm on the Roubaix most of the time, the road bike. I enjoy it. And that's what I have, a Roubaix. I right. got, uh, last year, I got a 2022 Roubaix, and I'm really enjoying it. Well, I can tell you a quick story about mine. That is probably, in all the years that I've ridden, and it's been a long time, that is definitely the most comfortable bike I've ever had. And one year, about five years ago, after the first ride of the year, we were all fired up and excited about it. And I put it on my back of my rack, which I hardly ever do. And I got down the road and stopped at a store, and my bike was gone. Oh. And I knew nobody took it. It, but it fell off the rack. It was my fault. I didn't oh. sit it down like I always do. I was so excited about riding. So a number of us went out and looked and looked and looked, and we just couldn't find it. And a month went by, five weeks, six weeks went by. So I bought a new Roubaix, and my daughter, who was persistent, kept looking and found it. Wow. She found it on Marketplace. A gentleman in another town had it and trying to sell it. <laughs> so... Through some uh, law enforcement agencies, I was able to recover it, and I liked it so much, I sold the new bike and kept that one. That has been a, uh, a, a story that I, has stayed with me over the years. People, I pull up on it, and they'll say, is that the bike you lost? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, good for your daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was definitely adamant she was going to keep looking for it. Eddie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about the hero ride for, again, taking the time that you take to do all you do, whether it's the club or the different rides that you do. That's awesome. And thanks for jumping on here and talking about 
you know, Mississippi as a place, you know, if you're looking for some place to escape to go check out the hero ride and yeah, come join us. Uh, we got room and <laughs> we can get you in. Awesome. Well, take care now. Thank you. Nice talking to you. It is easy to admire someone like Eddie. He puts in so much time that goes directly to making cycling more enjoyable for his community. It is people like him that, in my opinion, make the cycling community really special. I am sure that the Mississippi Oregon Recovery Agency knows that Eddie is very valuable to the hero ride. I now have several reasons that I am attracted to the Mississippi Gulf Coast as a cycling destination. One is the hero ride. I think it would be great to experience a metric century along the Gulf Coast. Secondly, I would like to visit the Vintage Bike Show. Maybe I can find a Vintage Bike Show closer to me, though. And finally, I would like to experience the Senior Games firsthand. I do know I can find the Senior Games locally, but I just bet they do a really great job of it there in Mississippi. If anyone listening has participated in a Senior Olympic cycling event, I would love to hear from you. You can find my email and the show Instagram in the show notes. You can also find a link to the Hero Ride and the Gulf Coast Bicycle Club in the show notes as well. Plus, there is a really nice local TV story on Eddie. Definitely check that out. Whether you are training for the Senior Olympics or just biking around for fun, I hope you have some great two-wheel adventures this next week. And remember, age is just a gear change.